minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Good afternoon. It's great that we have this opportunity again to worship God. God bestows so many blessings upon us. Do take a look around and notice uh, those of our number who are missing and reach out to them. You can do it through a phone call, through a card, through a text. Go by, rap on their door, whatever you need to do. Uh, but encourage them to let them know they were missed. But it is good to see each of you here. Also, let me remind you because maybe we haven't been saying this as much as we should. Two weeks, two weeks, we got another uh, family and friend day. So everyone think about that. We might have to start thinking, okay, this time you do coworkers and this time. But anyway, invite everyone you can. If you didn't get anyone to, uh, that you invited last time to come, then you got to ramp it up a little bit. And if we, if you got some people to come, get them to come back. And um, anyway, let's uh, do all we can do to preach that gospel. And this time around, uh, Ben's going to be preaching that sermon that Sunday. And uh, I know he's uh, already ready for it. He's prepared. And so, Lord willing, we fill the place. And uh, God has been so good to us. This afternoon, we're going to start from this passage in Romans chapter 8. I love Romans 8. There was a friend of mine years ago used to preach at the West Douglas congregation in Wichita, Kansas. And he loved Romans 8, so he decided he was going to preach starting in January through Romans 8. It took him all year to preach Romans 8. Now, he detailed that thing out. But anyway, there is a lot in Romans 8. But what we're going to look at is, here's what we got to remember to do. And I titled the lesson, Godly Thinking. You know, we got to remember, and I, I think about those kind of things a lot. Like this morning, I noticed even before it was the sun even come up and it was just starting to get light in the eastern skies, I noticed there was clouds and all the sunrise going to be off the chart today. And it was. But here's what I think. Every time I see that, I think, man, I mean, it just reminds me, God is sure good to me. I mean, it's just a shame that people don't think and see God in everything. And they don't think about whatever their day holds, what God would want them to do. And they don't think how God would want them to think and how God would want them to talk and how God, whatever they're doing. Godly thinking. That's, that's where it starts. It starts right between your ears. You got to get your head on straight. You got to keep it on straight. Uh, if you put junk in, junk's going to come out. So you've also got to watch what you digest, you know, what you look at, what, what form of entertainment, whatever people you're around. I think I've read before, like in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, evil companions or company corrupts, bad, corrupts good morals. So we've got to remember that. And the Bible, if we had time, we'd look at a lot of passage. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So you've got to get your head on straight. You know, and you've heard me say before, <clears throat> I checked it out, still the stats say it the same. It takes 49 positives to come over one negative. So you get one negative person in here, we're bummed, we're done. So we got to really work to be positive. 
You guys know one of my favorite passages, and I pointed out a lot, I don't do it as much as I used to, maybe I need to do it again more, is Philippians 2.14. Do all things without grumbling. Get to, aren't you a Christian? Christians don't grumble and complain. Haven't you read the Bible? We need to be reminded. That's not the only place it says it. That's just one I like to bring up. But I think about this godly thinking. So you think about that. You've got to get your mind set on spiritual things, not physical or fleshly things. The mindset on the flesh is death. The mindset on the spirit is life and peace. What do you want today, death or life and peace? You know, you can think, and I'm not trying to play on emotions, but you get a message today that your loved one had a heart attack. Woo! Get serious in a hurry, don't it? Even though it wasn't our specific loved one, we understood, we felt the emotion, the seriousness of that. Because death, woo! That's serious business. Life and peace? Now, that's a good thing. And uh, I'm not sure life and turmoil is, but life and peace is. And so we got to remember, we got to keep our head, our mind set on spiritual things. So we're going to look at a, a few verses um, this afternoon. Uh, I'm going to turn over here real quick to Psalm 26, Psalm 26. And just verse 2, listen to this. Now this is going to happen whether we ask for it or not. <clears throat> examine me, O Lord, try me. How many times you prayed that? Lord, examine me. See if I'm who I say I am. But usually we're more like, Lord, don't look. <laughs> examine Try me. See if I'm who I... You know, that reminds me of Job. You remember Job? Oh, Satan, he says, why don't you let me have a shot at him? Go ahead. He, anybody would serve you if you give him everything. You build a hedge around him. Wow. Well, there was no hedge around him anymore, was there? Try me. I don't know. Here's what I'd rather Examine me, O Lord, and try someone else. You know, those trials, they're tough, but they, they're what prove who we are, aren't they? He says, test my mind and my heart. Test my thoughts. Test me from the inside out. You know, the difference is you and I see what's on the outside, right? But we don't know what people are thinking. We don't know what really... But Jesus and God knows us... Well, my statement is plumb to the gizzard. He knows us from the ends. He knows everything about us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. So, Lord, just look. Look and see who I am. That's a pretty, pretty confident statement, isn't it? We need to be those kind of people. So I love that little verse in Psalm 26. Let's look at a couple in Matthew. Turn with me over to Matthew 16. I just think about how important it is. You know, when you get into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, not only do you get to see what Jesus did on this earth, but you get a real view of how Jesus thought. I mean, you get to see how he thought about things, why he did what he did. Therefore, we see how we ought to think, how we ought to be. But here in Matthew 16, and in verse 23, he says, But he turned and said to Peter, because what did Peter just say? God, no one's, Jesus, no one's going to do that to you. I got your back. Matter of fact, they got to walk through me to get to you. I admire that in Peter. 
But it says he turned and said to Peter, now this wouldn't be fun if Jesus says, you, you think, Jesus, I got you. He says, I'll tell you what, get behind me, Satan. If he goes calling you Satan, that's not a good thing. Get behind me, Satan. Here's what he says. You're a stumbling block to me. What's he mean by that? I really don't want to go through this, and here you are doing stuff like this. We got, I got to keep my head on straight. I don't need you trying to encourage me to do the wrong thing. It was kind of interesting. I'll tell you a story. This goes back a long time ago. We lived in Blackwell, Oklahoma. Uh, I don't remember how the whole story went down, so I know the boys and I were somewhere else. But Tammy and Valor at Walmart, and I guess they were shopping in a radical fashion because some stuff fell off the top, <laughs> fell on Tammy. So when we pull up to, the, I don't know if we'd been at the lake or what, we pulled up to Walmart, the boys and I, uh, there's ambulance there, and I remember one of the boys said, oh, I wonder if it's mom. But anyway, so we go in there and I fell on her. And here's what was most interesting. I think that was on a Saturday. And now listen to this. Now they didn't mean, they didn't, no one from Walmart got up there and said, see that one, watch me, I'm going to shove this stuff on her. No one said a booby trap that fall on people. It's an accident. But you don't know how many brethren to church the next day says, I'd sue them. I'd sue them. Well, they didn't mean to do that to us. Well, I'd sue them. They got deep pockets. Man, you sound like everybody else in the world. And it was interesting, just to let you know, we talked to the people at Walmart. They knew we were going to sue them. And when we didn't sue them, you know what? They still wrote a check to us because they were just astonished. Because we live in a world that doesn't think spiritual and doesn't think right. They don't think how the Lord would think. And so we look at this, and sometimes people encourage you, even brethren, to do the wrong thing. I wouldn't want people treating me. I think I've read the golden rule before. And it says you should treat others like you would want them to treat you. Boy, I tell you what, would this world do better if we did that? Instead of, well, that's how you treated me. You know, I listen to a guy, and I'm not going to get into that, but a guy and he with a bunch of others, you know, and they're arguing about some things, that, and I, I know where I stand on it, but, you know, um, and why they had their trucks parked where they were and what they were, and then the whole thought pattern went south in a hurry. Well, we're just going to show them what they did to us, and we're going to do it to them. That's not the golden rule. I'll do to others what they've done to me. Do you want the Lord to treat you with justice or mercy? Justice, you're all going to hell. I think about that sometimes. It's just, in our world today, it's like it doesn't exist. And I think I've read somewhere, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. It's hard to think like that when the world thinks everything else. So he says, here's the problem. For you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but on man's interest. You're trying to think like a physical creature and you're not thinking like the spiritual creator. You're not thinking about Almighty God. You're not thinking about the spiritual being you are. You're just thinking about the here and now. We've got to remember to think what's still coming after us. That's hard. That's hard to do, isn't it? To stay focused on that which is to come. Let's look at another one. Oh, I like this passage. Matthew 22. You can probably quote it. Probably many of us can quote it. Uh, verse 37. He said, you shall love the Lord with half your heart, a third of your soul, and a quarter of your mind. You're shaking your head. No, he didn't say that. No, he didn't say that. With all your heart, with all your soul, 
and with all your mind. It sounds like he wants you from the inside out. Everything, everything you are is all about God. The way you treat your spouse, it's all about God. The way you work at your employment's all about God. The way you drive your car, it's all about God. The way you dress is all about God. The way you talk, let me keep going. It's all about God. Sometimes we want to put it in a category. Well, God, you get this time. The rest of it's mine. It's kind of like the guy who said, well, I give all my money to the Lord. Every time I get paid, I throw it up in the air. He keeps what he wants. Well, it hits the ground's mine. See, people are kind of foolish sometimes, aren't they? They want what they want. Got to love him with all my heart, with all my soul. And so we're talking about godly thinking with all my mind. I got to keep my mind set on that. A passage I like, and I know Dennis also likes, it's found over in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, that we're not to be conformed to this world, but we're to be transformed. And he tells you how you do that. You know how you're not like the world? You don't think like the world. And you renew your mind. Now, I know, because I've been a Christian for a long time, and I've been preaching for a long time, and I've listened to a lot of preachers, and it's rare anymore that someone comes up with something, I just think something's wrong, they come up with something I never heard or at least thought about before. If they come up with something brand new, where in the world did they get that? That's what I think. Where'd that come from? So usually they're reminding me of something and I'm being renewed of something. You know, I'm, I'm being reminded of that very thing. You know, it's kind of interesting. This is, this is strange to me. Have you ever, someone, yes, someone asked you a question and said, oh, I, don't, I forgot that. And then someone reminds you and it's still in there? Oh, yeah. See, it wasn't forgotten. You just couldn't find the file you put it in. It's still in there. So we've got to keep, and you know how you keep it afresh? You look that same thing over and over and over. If you do it all the time, you know, you can take, you drive to work. Or let's say you drive home every day. And you drive from work to home every day. And I just talked to a guy the other day. I was working on, doing some work on a house, and he come up tell me, he was the guy selling the house, and he told me, if you want, you can throw all the scrap in that dumpster if you put it out to the street, because I already paid for them to pick it up anyway. Thank you. And he said, it's crazy, because I come home from work, and I, I don't still live at this house, but I've only not lived at it for about two months, but I still drive over here and drive by it every day, because I think I'm driving home. Because we're kind of creatures of habit, aren't we? So, you know, you think about that daily Bible reader thing. You become a creature of habit. Now, it doesn't just need to be a, a worthless habit. No, but you keep your mindset on those things. And people remind you, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. What a wonderful thing that is. So you think we got to renew our minds to not be conformed to this world. I still tell people, I'll do it by questions. If it was true from God's Word in 1970. Is it true today? If it was true from God's word in 1950, would it still be true today? I want you to know something. It's not changed. Sometimes the church has changed. Sometimes brethren's changed. Let me tell you what, God's word hadn't changed. So I think, here's what I tell people. If that it wasn't what it was supposed to be, and that's what the church was doing in 1950s, either we're wrong or they were wrong. I mean, there's, you, you both can't stand two different places and both be right. 
And so we've got to hold on to that. We've got to, we've got to renew our minds. Another one I really like is found over in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3. You're probably familiar with this passage too. <clears throat> Stopped in Philippians. That won't be what I want. Colossians chapter 3. He first starts off with what Christianity is all about. Verse 1, therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, you're buried with Christ and raised up to walk in newness of Christ. Romans 6, verse 3 and 4. Keep, keep seeking. Does that mean it sound like you got to keep on keeping on, keep on keeping? So you're not going to keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated. Right? Oh, we're talking about heavenly things. And then he says, set your mind. And this is why this verse means, it means take aim. You know, I just shot a bow the other day, my bow the other day. See, everything was still good. So you got to make sure that everything's right. You got to be steady. You got to hold that bow. You got to make sure your release is good, everything to hit the target. Now, what's happened to me as I've got older by shooting open sights on a gun, now if that sight's 50 yards away, I can see the target well. But if I pull the gun up, the back sight's way blurry. Okay. I can see the front sight kind of, but the back sight's way blurry and the target's good. If I put my glasses on, my readers, I can see the back sight and the front sight, but the target's real blurry. Wow, that's tough. Well, you know what? That's like a lot of people. Either their life's real blurry or their view of God's word's real blurry, and they wonder why they can't hit the mark. So we've got to really work to have a vision, spiritual vision of the truth. So that's interesting because he says, take aim, set your mind on the thing, get focused on that. So you know what? I found out how you fix that problem. You shoot good optics, good scopes. Because that thing fixes bad eyes. I can see that target like it's right here. No, really, like it's right out there because right here is the problem. But no, you think about that. Set your mind on the things above and not on the things of the earth. Wow. Keeping your mind set on the things that are spiritual. Because, well, over in 1 Corinthians, he would tell us the things which are not seen are spiritual and the things which are seen are temporary, temporal. And I think about that also, you know, we look at that. And another passage I think about a lot when you think about a mindset, I think about one we, we looked at a lot at one time when we were still over in the back of the bank building it's found over there in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 10. And I, I think people need to know what it says. And when you look at all the struggles and problems and things they had wrong that they need to correct in Corinth, he starts off and he establishes it this way. Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, pulls out the big gun authority because Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. He says that you all agree and that there be no division among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and then the same judgment. So when it comes to spiritual things, we got to think the same thing, don't we? Now, here's what we've got to do then. So if I get up here, or I'll use Ben in a couple weeks, he gets up here and he preaches the truth, right what the Bible says. I say, amen. What's my responsibility? To back everything he said and do exactly what he said. Because he, it wasn't what he said. It's what the Bible said. It gets down to that. That's what brethren owe the, owe the person and owe God when his word is presented. 
to be in the same mind. This is an opinion. This is the book. And we've got to hold on to that. We've got to have the same mind. There can't be room to bounce around. Don't get me wrong. There's some things that uh, God doesn't care that much about, the whole specifics of it. So there might be some general things. Let's, let's just take one. Do we have to sing to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs? Okay. Do we have to sing four-part harmony? You, some of you say, I hope not. Because I didn't know there was four parts to harmony. But anyway, um, no, you don't have to do that. It can just be, I mean, do you have to sing really well? No, then we would even be in more trouble, some of us, wouldn't we? How loud you got to sing? I don't know. How many songs? You I don't know. You know, I know we got to sing. We got to sing praise of psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We got to sing praise to the Lord. And we've got to encourage one another and teach one another in those psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. But there's a lot of things he left up to us how we want to do it. Do you got to use a songbook or can you use that screen? Or can we just sing by memory? I'm pretty sure if I sing the first verse of Jesus loves me, this I know we don't have to pull a book out. Okay, so you look at that. Now, sometimes I tell people books have ruined our memory. Because we've sung some songs literally thousands and thousands of times, and we couldn't sing the first line without the book because we know. It's like, man, we've sung that thing a million times. You don't know what it says. And so it's because we become very dependent upon that. So I think about that with the Bible. How good would it be if, where would you be at if all of a sudden all the Bibles, this will never happen, but all the Bibles on the planet are taken and destroyed? How much of God's Word can you pull off the top of your head? Because sometimes you get in a situation where you don't have a Bible with you. And you might have to tell someone, now I'm real big on, you know, I said, yeah, well it says this, but let, you got a Bible around here? Because I want them to see it. If they don't have one, let me go out to my truck and get one. But we still have to know it, don't we? Because we have to set our minds on those things, but we got to be of the same mind and same judgment. Look over at Philippians. <clears throat> Chapter 2, I got to think, where do I want to start? Where do I want to stop? My main point's going to be in verse 5. <laughs> so instead of backing all the way up to 1 and 2, which are important because, it, again, in verse 2, it says, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, 10 on one purpose. There we got all that agreement again. It says, do nothing, verse 3, from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind... Regard one another is more important than yourself. Where do you make that? You've got to make that decision in your head first. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests. Man, why didn't they let me go first in line? I could have got some food that was already ate up before I got here. They never let me go first. Hmm. Now, I already know I'm not being mean. Some of you cold today for some reason. I think your blood pressure's dropped or something. No, you look at that. Some are cold. Some of us aren't even close to being cold. Uh, John's back there in short sleeves, thinks he's burning up. So anyway, uh, you know, it's all. So you look at that. We don't have to agree on those things, do we? That temperature, it ain't that big a deal. You can either put a jacket on or you can take a jacket off. You know, we look at that and we have to realize who we are. But it says here, we're not going to worry about everything's always got to be exactly my way. Do not merely look out at your own personal interests, but the interests of others. And then he says this. 
in the numeric standard says having this attitude. Some other translations have having this mind, this attitude, this mindset in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. So how are we supposed to think like Jesus thought? How are we supposed to act like Jesus acted? How are we supposed to be like Jesus was? We've got, you know, sometimes if you don't watch out, and I tell people you got to think about this, can you do the right thing but have a bad attitude about it while you're doing it and it still doesn't work worth a flip? Yeah, so he says, no, you got to get your head on straight. I'll give you a passage that makes that real clear to me. It's John 4 and verse 24. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him. Spirit, there's the attitude. And truth, there's the Bible. So you got to have the right mindset, right attitude. You come to worship with a bad attitude, and you keep a bad attitude, God didn't accept your worship. you got to get your head on straight. It's kind of, I've told the story before about the little boy that got in trouble, and his dad told him to sit down. He didn't want to sit down. Finally, his dad kind of plants him in the tree, and he's sitting there, and he looks at his dad real stern. He's just a little boy, and he says, Dad, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. Sometimes we're like that with God, aren't we? He says, I'll show you standing up and sitting down. I know you from the inside out. You don't have me fooled. We have to have this same mind with the mind of Christ. Look also, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. This is a great chapter, 1 Corinthians 14. It's all about worship. But you could see even God had blessed them with spiritual, miraculous abilities. Now listen to me. It, it, doesn't it seem crazy that something that God gave you at that first century, like a spiritual, miraculous ability, could become divisive? But it had become. And the showier gifts, like speaking in tongues, they thought that was the big deal. So see, it's, if you don't watch out, brethren are all about showing off. Because see, you guys don't have a tie like this. Now, if you guys had a tie like this one, you'd be somebody. Now, you can look, people get silly about all kinds of things. They're going to show off about this or show off about that. Well, here, look at this in verse 20. A lot in 1 Corinthians 14, but this instructions for the church. Brethren, do not be children in your thinking. What's that mean? Don't be a big crybaby. Don't be children in your thinking, but in evil be infants. You know, I've, Tammy will come down and tell me something on it. Tammy, I, I don't care about that stuff. Something on the news or something, I don't want to hear about it. You know, I just get tired of it. And sometimes some of that, people say, well, you're like an ostrich. No, I just get tired of it. It's, some of those things, there's nothing I can do about it. And it'll just eat up your thoughts. And they try to do all those things. And some of it's evil that's going on. Well, you need to be infants in evil. You don't need to know every nasty detail of everything. And it says, in that we need to be infants. But he says, but in thinking, be mature. So we need to think like adults about godly things. Our minds need to be set on godly things. And ungodly things, we need, the less we know about it, the better. You know, I think about that. Sometimes just watch it, have television on the commercials. They got stuff on commercials that would have never been on television ever when I was a kid growing up. Why is this garbage out here? And every kid there is has to watch this junk. What is their problem? See, that angers me. Sometimes you feel like, I'm going to tear that TV off that wall and throw it out the door. It's just amazing the junk that is in there. That reminds me of another story I heard about um, 
a babysitter and the mom and dad and they found out the babysitter had been allowing people into their house in front of their children to do lewd, nasty things with profanity and all kinds of things. They were just watching television. Because all that lewd, nasty stuff, when you watch television, you invite it into your house. Now see, while I was telling you that babysitter did that, those kids, you were getting kind of upset with the babysitter, weren't you? But then all of a sudden you realize, uh-oh, maybe I've done that before. It's just crazy. It's just crazy. Let's look at another one. Philippians chapter 3. I just got two more passages and this lesson's yours. Philippians 3, uh, verse 12. Oh, I like this. I like, there's some things underlined in my Bible. In verse 12, it says, I press on. In verse 13, it says, I'm reaching forward. In verse 14, it says, I press on. So it looks like we need to be getting on down the road. Not that I've already obtained it or already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that which I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself of having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Do people let their past control them? That's the past. I know lots of people live in the past. Well, I remember when. I remember when, too. You better learn from that. I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. I said, I'll tell you what I do. I, I can't change my past. I've told people, you've heard me say this a lot, everyone's got a past. Some of us are glad it's in the past and it isn't who we are anymore. We've got to press on towards the goal of being just as much like Christ as we can possibly be so that we'll be rewarded with eternal heaven. We've got to press on. We've got to keep that thinking. We've got to keep our heads there. One more passage. I told you I had one more. 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to read just a few verses here, starting at verse uh, 31. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 31. Listen to this. Now, a lot of this, I want you to get the general application. Whatever then you eat or drink or whatever you do, good for you. No, that's not what it says. Do all to the glory of God. So if you're going to eat something that you shouldn't eat to the glory of God, I was teasing some of you today. With eating, you know, I'm, I, I just like to pester people. I know that's hard for you to believe. And I told how some of you, I was glad you was eating dessert because it might help sweeten you up. But, you know, I'm just playing. But, you know, you think about that. We've got to give God the glory. And he says, whatever you drink, if it's something you ought not to be drinking and it wouldn't bring glory to God, then don't do it. If it's something you ought not to be eating, sometimes we ought to not eat as much. And whatever you do, that kind of hammers it right in there. Whatever you do, whatever you do, what's that leave out? It only leaves out whatever you don't do. But whatever you do, do it to the glory. So you, whatever you do, you need to be able to know that it glorifies God and be able to thank God for it and offer it to him, right? Whatever you do, he tells us, Whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. He says, give no offense either to Jews or Greeks or to the church of God. So we need to think about what we do, 
how other people see it, and how it affects them. If I do something that is offensive to you, if I do something that causes you to sin, if I do something that uh, challenges your faith in a bad way, it's wrong. So I don't just have to think, is it right or wrong, but I also have to think, how does it affect other people? And then he goes on, just as I also, this I love this next verse, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many. Listen to this. So that they may be saved. So I'm going to give God the glory in all I do because it's all about saving them. Another verse I really love, and I mention it pretty often, is Matthew 5, verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. We're in the business of soul saving. You know, we've got the message, Romans 1.16, the gospel is the power of God and the salvation. We've got the message right here that can save souls. We've got to get our mindset on that we're going to live it. That First, I guess, that we're going to read it. We're going to understand it. We're going to accept it. We're going to obey it. We're going to share it. It's going to be about us so that God gets the glory. So we've got to think. We've got to be godly thinkers. You know, I said in, when I did Darren's funeral last week, you know, I usually, when I do a funeral, I try to think of a word that applies to someone. And in my knowledge of dealing with Darren through a long time, over about two, almost two and a half decades, uh, through a lot of different things, I think one thing Darren was, probably the thing he was most, he was genuine. He was who he said he was. He wasn't perfect. Are any of you perfect? I'm not perfect. But are we genuine? Are we who we really claim to be? Do we really try to be that every day? Do we have our minds in the right place? So I want you to think back to where we started in Romans chapter 8. Your mind's only set on one of two things. Things here that are temporary or things there that are eternal. If we can help you today in your eternal destination, please come as we stand and sing.